It wasn't until after graduating from Foundations, an outpatient program for treatment of her addiction to cocaine and alcohol, that Olivia would matriculate into my private practice. Now, a year and some change in, we have decided that it is time for Olivia to move on. As a closing gesture, we created this podcast to both celebrate our work together as well as provide a bridge towards the next stage in her therapeutic journey. So today, instead of allowing her brain to be picked, Olivia gets to turn the tables and ask me, her therapist, anything. Here, we tackle such questions as, what happens when we outgrow our friends? What is the purpose of therapy and how do we know when it is actually working? Why is introversion so often pathologized? I even take on such popular hackneyed terms as mindfulness to task. Lastly, we get into some of my own personal material around dating, friendships, and more. My name is Benjamin Rusick, licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is my podcast, Look, Just Tell Me What to Do. Okay, so I am here with Olivia. 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 And Olivia, <laughs> who, who are you and why are you sitting on my couch? I've been a patient of yours for about a year and some change. And I met you at Foundations, which is an aftercare program in San Francisco. And what were you being treated for at this facility? Cocaine and alcohol abuse. And then I poached you yes. into my private practice. So this is kind of doubling as our last session. And you are now moving on to a fabulous female therapist because we both agreed that you were no longer getting anything out of our sessions and that it was time for you to move up and beyond and basically seek out a higher power than myself. So I sent you to the best therapist that I know on the planet Earth. Can I say her name? Sure. Christine Pappas. She's phenomenal. And um, here the fuck we are. And today, Olivia gets to ask her therapist anything because I'm of the feeling that therapists are too guarded. I understand the math of why that is, but I think it's bullshit. And uh, I thought it would be provocative and weird. Um, before we move forward on that, do I have your permission to publicize this episode? Yes, you do. And you understand that it may contain confidential information about you and our sessions? Yes, okay. I do. And you're fine with that? Totally fine. Okay. okay. Open book. Okay. So what do you want to know? Well, I think it would be fun to just start out with your, not like the why did you want to be a therapist, but did like something happen in your childhood or growing up or in your career path that you decided, hey, I want to help other people? Um, no. <laughs> I just don't see fuck, it for you. So fuck just fuck all the people. No, when I was, um, when I was a child, my father was a, was a psychiatrist. He didn't teach me much, but I always had a knack for helping others. I would talk to people. I remember we went on some walk through the woods with him and a friend of his, this woman who was having some problems. I was maybe 11 years old, and she was talking to me about her difficulties with her son, I think. I just listened and kind of responded, and apparently it was very helpful for her. And my dad was like, you really helped her, you know that? And I've been doing that all my life. People have always come to me with problems and talk, and I'm a pretty good listener. I just noticed that... Uh, folks gravitated towards me and would trust me. And hell, what a great way to make a living. What about you? Your specialty is more around marriage and then also addiction and alcohol abuse. And so that's kind of an interesting mix. You're helping addicts and then people with their marriages. Yeah. So I got into substance abuse by accident. So Brooke Doherty, who you may know mm -hmm. uh, as an MFT. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> 
Can I say how you know Brooke? She's a great couples therapist. She's a great couples therapist. If you're ever therapist. confused about breaking up with your boyfriend, go see go Brooke. See, go see Brooke. Brooke called me up. I was going to Pacifica Graduate Institute, which is down in Santa Barbara. And she said, hey, Ben, you should come work at Altamira, which is this high-end rehab in Sausalito, which is basically like, it's palatial. I got to the job interview and I thought I'd got to the wrong address. It was like there was a big, you know, automatic gate and you could, you go up and there's like big deck and white tablecloths everywhere and pitchers of juice and nuts and fruit. And there's a chef in the thing and you can see Angel Island and Alcatraz. Like you're entering your wedding. I'm like, what the mother (laughs) fuck? And they're like, do you want a job here? Yes. And I got a job and I was just naturally good at it. I think because I struggle with my own eating issues. And so I understand cravings and I'm really straightforward. You know, earlier I said, Olivia, I don't care what you do. As long as you don't use cocaine and drink, you're golden. And I'll tell you that to your face without any fear at all of what you think about what I say. And that works really, really well in that field. I'm not necessarily a specialist in marriage. Uh, marriage and family therapist is just the title that they give us. I do work with couples, but I prefer working with teenagers, folks like you who are kind of young and full of energy and want to level up. I really enjoy just making people as awesome as possible. Couples are cool, but it's really stressful. It's really intense work and you make your money. And since now we are no longer your therapist and I always just like to bug you about dating. It's 2020. So why don't we just reflect a little bit back on the decade here? So, you know, you can you can talk to me just like a human being. You don't have to be all lofty and stuff. You can just say, hey, Ben, what the <laughs> fuck about this? And just do that. Kind of the way I'm talking to you right now. Yeah. You can talk to me like that. Do I sound like I'm on a game show? You do. Okay. Yeah. You game I feel show, like I'm on a game show. You're a game show, Olivia. So cut that shit okay. out and just be you. Okay? Because that's way more interesting. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is like stressing me out with this thing in front of me, though. Is it? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Well, um, so you want me to reflect on 2020? Yeah, reflect on, 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 well, not reflect on 2020, like the future, but kind of the past decade. Like right now, people are really focused on the new year and resolutions or deciding like what this decade will mean for them. But kind of looking back, what did the decade, prior decade mean for you? Um, well, first off, I, I don't give a shit about numbers because I'm a consummate introvert and I just don't care. It doesn't make any difference to me whether or not something has a 19 or a 20 attached to it. However, the last 10 years have been about building my career, been about getting my shit together. In 2010, I was going to school, getting my hours, working. Uh, I was probably a you know, blue belt in jiu-jitsu at that time and still pretty overweight and out of shape and not making a lot of money. Were you living in San Francisco? No, I was living in Marin County, okay. which is a terrible, terrible thing. I don't recommend it to anyone. Um, the only person that hates Marin. Not, that I know. I am you. not. The, no, you've never lived. I will live in Marin. You've never lived in Marin. And when you live in Marin, you will learn to hate Marin. You will. You will come to this understanding. It's beautiful. It's a great place to hike. It's a great place to- Raise a family. Great place to raise a family and die. Anyway, when you're a single guy in your 30s, Marin County is not, and you don't have a lot of money, is not the spot. It's just not the spot. Because the women in San Francisco don't want to have anything to do with you because you live in Marin and you don't Mm -hmm. make a lot of money. And the only way they'll date you is if you have a house. So I was on a date in the city with this woman. I was still living in Marin and I mentioned my roommate and she looked at me and she said, oh, you rent. Because she assumed that because I lived in Marin, I had my own home and I was a rich guy. Got it. And that was the end of that and the end of her. I got licensed around, um, I'd say, 2014, I think. Started to build my career, had a private practice in Marin County and a tiny one in San Francisco. As my tiny practice in San Francisco grew, I shut down the one in Marin and moved here and moved everything over here. And also I was working at foundations in around 2015, perhaps. 
uh, was working there four days a week. And then I reduced that over the years, slowly, 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 slowly. And then on Monday was my last day there. So I am now- Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Now I am fully in my stuff. Here I am, having arrived. And now you have a podcast. I mean, you're really putting yourself out there being the total introvert that I've known you to be since day one. How do you feel about that? Is it exciting? Is it something else to work on? Um, it's it's exciting. I have a, a larger mission in mind, which is to build a base of people who know who I am. It's like building my brand, and this is one way to do that. I'm pretty sure I'm going to start a men's group in the next couple months and build that, and I want to do start doing talks, and I want to spread the word and build a thing and go somewhere with all this stuff. So, yes, I'm indulging in, in your realm of extroversion over there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's the word? What's the you word? You see, what's the word? Like, what do you want to spread? Like, what is the most important thing? Like, the Ben word the that ben you word? want people to know? It's about increasing your consciousness. I think that a lot of public speakers and a lot of popular, what's the word? People that go out there and say, you know, change your life and do it this way. They're all extroverts. They're all talking about, you know, having a goal-oriented life. And even the word mindfulness is kind of extroverted because it's about like, be in the moment, be present. Well, what does that mean? That means that you prefer this moment because someone who's not in the moment is in a different moment. You just don't prefer that moment because you're an extrovert. So for an extrovert, being out of this moment is a is like a psychological crime. And for an introvert, this moment is just one of a million moments that one can be present in. And so fuck the idea of mindfulness in a way because mindfulness is, it's, it's basically extroverts giving preference to this dimension. I don't think this dimension is so important. Okay, so when you're saying that when all the teachings out there right now, right, about even right now, being in the moment, being present, mm -hmm. acknowledging like we're doing a podcast together, we're, we're talking. For me, you know, the hardest thing for me to do is like stay in the moment, I'm always jumping to the future mm -hmm. or jumping backwards. I love to like go rehash my past. That you are kind of living in this mix of both future, present, and past. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's exactly correct. Okay. The introvert puts primary importance on things that are within, and the extrovert puts primary importance on things that are without. For an introvert, the past, the present, and the future are all equally important. The extrovert would certainly agree with that, that they're all important, but they might not experience it in the same way, I think. That's my experience of, of how extroverts function. What was my original question? The 10 years. The 10 years. My plan is to basically bring introversion to the world. I think that a lot of the popular people are out there doing Instagram and speaking and all these sort of flashy things that you see all over the place with their little poems and their stuff and, and do this and reinvent yourself and, and become the person you always blow on. But you're not talking on. about like the Brene Browns of the world. I am definitely talking about the Brene Browns of the world. <laughs> I'm talking about all them. Oprah. All of them. Every single one of them. Every single one of them is missing one. Gabby really, Bernstein. I don't even know who that is. Is missing. <laughs> they're missing one really vital element, and that is a deep, deep, deep sense of introversion. Introversion, I feel like, is pathologized. Somebody who is out of the moment is somehow sick. Um, no. I, I want people to get check out check out of the moment get into your stuff get in there because that's where consciousness is born okay so that's probably one of the hardest things for me I think that's probably why I came to you is I realized that I'm a huge extrovert spent 10 years 20 years 34 years mm -hmm. whatever it is mm -hmm. living kind of for the outside world and not looking within I think maybe in the last and I was like journaling the other day thank you mm -hmm. thinking about what that actually means right to to be in the moment or be spiritual and it's almost like you do feel like there's this like something does kind of change within you. I won't say spiritual awakening because mm -hmm. I'm just would like to think that could happen, but I 
I also think there's a lot of woo stuff around that that phrase. Mm-hmm. But when somebody does want to go inward and they're looking inward, I think that this is something that a lot of people maybe struggled with at foundations as well as like, what does it mean to to look inside or go inward? Right? You had me read that book, Robert Johnson. Thank you. Inner work. Inner work. Yes. And I read it when I first started foundations, didn't understand it at all, picked it up two years later. It's almost like you kind of go to a different place. Like when you get older, there's certain things you understand because your your mind just matured. Mm-hmm. I was able to read it mm-hmm. then. And then this Michael Singer book I was able to read and kind of understand that. But how are you able to actually just see those thoughts kind of like passing by? You know when they talk about that? Like you can see your thoughts, like a chatter that's constantly going on. You're probably really good at like seeing that happen Mm -hmm. and then seeing yourself. For me and for a lot of people, they don't get to have that like split. Yeah, I have multiple narratives that move around in my mind all the time. So when a patient walks into the room, it's like they walk into a room and they bring a bunch of paintings with them Mm -hmm. and they put them up on the wall. And each painting is a different aspect of their life. Mm -hmm. And let's say the one painting is their relationship with their father. And one relationship is a is a why why the eye she just rolled her eyes yeah why because you always like to bring up my relationship with my father that I like refuse to go into but yeah, go ahead which is why I'm sending you to Christine Papas anyway because <clears throat> she will get that shit dialed in <laughs> so let's say there's a relationship with their father and then another one is their relationship with their um, let me say their brother died of suicide right and then that's a different painting and then there's a painting of their work life and we come in and we'll talk about different subjects and we'll kind of touch up the painting and sometimes we'll combine the paintings like oh this is actually one painting not two and there i also see there's like a ladder that comes in they bring in paintings and the ladder is their life that they're they're Mm. they're kind of physical extroverted goals like because i do that shit too you know what what they're trying to climb up and i sort of see my own mind that way of like oh here's that story oh there's that story oh there's that story oh there's that story for instance dating i get kind of wound up by dating i don't like it and i have some abandonment issues and so when i feel myself getting triggered i'll like oh look at that narrative that's me being triggered i'm not going to act on that narrative i'm just going to let that narrative run its course sit the fuck tight and not let it run my life can i stop you there for a second yeah that takes an incredible amount of work to do that to stop because you, it sounds really easy when you say that and I know how hard it is to not do there's certain things in my life that I can stop and mm-hmm. think and I see the narrative sure alcohol and drinking is one of those that I always see like the bright shiny light and so and I don't think that is for everybody but for your example of dating like mm-hmm. how did you get there how to get there yeah um well I got there through this work with working with other patients. I realized that therapy is useful in the short term and the long term. In the long term, it's kind of like nobody knows. Nobody knows why people really heal in therapy. I mean, they get into their stuff, but nobody really knows. A client once described recovery from addiction as it's like cooking. You know, you have all the right ingredients. You go to AA meetings, you talk to your sponsor, you go to your therapist, you take your meds, you do whatever you have to do, and you put it all in a pot and somehow, and you apply heat and somehow you get dinner you get recovery it just sort of works mm-hmm. and therapies like that you don't really know <laughs> it just sort of does its yeah. own thing but in the short term i'm very interested in that too that if you are aware of of a tendency that you have that's unhealthy a narrative in your mind like if i am dating some woman and she doesn't text me back within say half an hour and i start getting what why isn't she texting me back i could go on that impulse and do something stupid like text or something lame or cancel the date or try to look for a different date or whatever or start to hate her in your mind and make up reasons not to like her exactly (laughs) and then but that's a narrative too yeah 
and go, oh, wow, look at that. That narrative birthed that narrative. So those are both stories. In the long term, I'd like to resolve those narratives. But in the short term, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm not going to respond to them. I'm not going to act on those. Because what I've noticed is that my patients will have a story in their head. They will make very unwise choices based on those stories that are in their head. Mm -hmm. And in the short term, you can simply choose not to do that. You know, like you have a, can I talk about one of your narratives? Sure. So one of Olivia's narratives is that she has some social anxiety. So there's lots of reasons that Olivia drinks and uses cocaine. And there's different branches of that. But mm -hmm. one of them is that she is got some social anxiety that she doesn't know, she didn't know that she had. Now, she really likes talking to people. When she's in a crowd or at a party, she has a narrative in her head. I don't really know what it is, but it makes her very anxious about being around those people. And so the way that she deals with that narrative is to drink and use cocaine so she can talk to the people. <laughs> because it's not really the alcohol and the cocaine that she's after. It's the substance of being social that she is missing. Yeah? Yeah. What I told her is that in the moment, the next time you're at a party, notice your anxiety and notice what stories you're telling yourself and make better choices regardless of how you feel and that's easy to say but it's something that one practices so one can practice making better choices and practice doing things in a better way even if you don't want to or especially if you don't want to i think that's probably what i've learned the most is the things that i don't want to do i probably need to do the most or practice the most um the work that nobody wants to do is like the hardest work right the work that is needed yes <sighs> Which is why we're sending you to Christine, because you and I have a very interesting rapport. Would you like to talk about that? Our rapport. Our rapport. Yeah, what is our rapport like? Um, so I met Ben when I was at Foundations. You have to have a therapist there. I had a therapist I didn't really like, and I only went to Ben's sessions. And by session, you mean I was running a group, and you were part of that Oh, group. you were running a group, yeah. Yeah. By session, yeah. So it was a group, it was group therapy. I became friends with a couple of the guys there that I'm still friends with today. And we all really liked Ben. Ben was funny, smart. And anyways, so they don't let you use there, obviously, because it's a drug and alcohol rehab mm -hmm. place. But they considered weed a drug, which I didn't consider a drug. And so I would just continue to smoke pot and said I was sober, which is fine. I still think that's fine. I got tested and they, the therapist told me that I had to to own up to my weed smoking yes. and that I needed to talk about this relapse in front of everybody. Yes. I told my therapist there that the only session that I would do that in is Ben's because I felt like that Ben had to think this was some sort of joke too, <laughs> but I had to <laughs> tell everyone that I relapsed on weed. I just thought it was the silliest thing. So I did that in your session. You made it, I think what I really appreciated is you knew that I, I did take it seriously, that I was really actually, I felt bad to, I felt the need to apologize to a group of people that are sober, right? I, I did recognize the wrong in what I was doing, but you didn't let it like linger. You didn't like punish me for it in the front of everybody. It wasn't this huge fiasco and to be acknowledging like weed's different than, you know, overdosing on heroin or I mean using heroin. So Ben... When I left Foundations, I recognized that we had mutual connections, but I didn't know that when I was at Foundations, like only after. Actual connections. Like actual connections. friends. Like my best friend in the world was Ben's- Friends, friends. Friends, ex-girlfriend. Ex right. So your best, <laughs> your best friend in the world was the ex-girlfriend of my good friend. Mm -hmm. uh, and f this person, Felix. Felix. And I are friends as well. Yes. And uh, I'm going to his birthday party tonight. 
up in Petaluma. He's turning 50. Good. Are you going? No. Good. We can't hang out. I can't hang out with Felix. Good. See, yeah. why can't you hang out with Felix? Because you ever, I'm sure every people out there can recognize this. Do you have people that you look at and you just want to get fucked up as soon as you see their face? <laughs> <laughs> Felix has one of those faces and I have one of those faces for Felix. Yeah, he's like a clown. He's like, <laughs> hey! I want you to have a good time and I want you to have a good yep. time. Felix has kind of run to like a different crowd than my like day to day. But so anyways, that is how we are connected. What gets messy sometimes is that if I'm hanging out with Felix, Felix, and you, let's say you've relapsed and he knows about it and I can't acknowledge that and I can't say yeah Felix like when he invited you to my house yeah and we were getting fucked Felix. up he texts me and I'm like hey, he's like come on over I'm like where are you at Olivia's <laughs> like what are you doing you you dipshit mm -hmm. you know and so yeah. and I've seen you at a party at his place once yeah that was kind of awkward yeah not for me you, well not for you but for, for me I mean that's because it's your job yeah, I remember. What did you say? <laughs> what did you you had you made an announcement to the room? What was it? Oh, that oh that you're my therapist. No, you what held up you held up a drink and you just said, "I just want everyone to know that this is orange juice and kombucha." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that to the room. Just letting the room know. <laughs> I want the room to know, and I'm like, oh god, yes, I know you're not drinking alcohol. <laughs> I know I probably wouldn't drink right in front of you. Yeah, that would have been really bad. Yeah. So I have a question. Felix is wonderful. His ex-girlfriend is wonderful. Yeah. We will probably run into each other again socially. Yeah. What the hell do I do if you start using drugs and cocaine and alcohol in front of me? I mean. I do nothing. You just party with me. I just party with you. <laughs> I can't party with an ex-patient. No. So you probably will. I mean, I'm assuming you'll probably just do what my friend does. She doesn't drink with me. So mm. she'll just kind of like allow it to happen but mm -hmm. i also don't do drugs in front of her she's just one of those people i want to say drugs I'm talking about just cocaine not that mm -hmm. that's better than anything else but it is um and <laughs> uh yeah i probably wouldn't do drugs and alcohol in front of you okay like I, I don't really see that okay one of the things you said to me is ben i'm not your client anymore so we can be friends mm -hmm. and i kind of went oh god um and the reason i did that is yeah. because there is a because you really want to be my friend I would love to be your friend. I think you're awesome. Uh, but there's an ethical concern. Mm -hmm. um, there's a law that if you sleep with the next patient within within two years of seeing them as a patient, mm -hmm. uh, it's a felony. Oh, good. Yeah. It's a big deal. And that metric. Is, is that because you could fuck with their brain? Like you could fuck them up? So to speak. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, okay. So that metric is used for a lot of things. So if you're going to befriend an ex-patient, it has to be two years. If you're going to go into business with an ex-patient, two years. That's kind of the, they use that as the standard. And the idea is you're still doing your therapy and still containing our conversations. And if we became friends, it would it could fuck it up because mm -hmm. suddenly I hold a certain position in your psyche, yeah? Yeah. Or let's say we were at a party and you saw me wildly intoxicated, which doesn't really happen, but let's just say. And let's say I said something super inappropriate. Then all of a sudden, all the projections that you had and a lot of the stuff that, uh, that we talked about, a lot of our conversations could be damaged. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And I don't want to do that because I think I highly of you and I think our work was good and I want you to be able to keep it. Thank you. Well, 
is talking about my drug use. Let's actually just talk about yours. So Okay, there you go. That's the kind of question I want. Okay, um, okay so you're not a big drinker. I actually heard that my friends have always said that you're a very like upstanding citizen in terms of drinking. I remember they told me about a New Year's Eve where you didn't even drink at all because you had to drive, which is the right thing to do for right. any human. But I think also on top of that, you have a level of integrity because of your job. So tell us about, you know, I mean, you have a, a neighbor that's your friend and also a, Andy. a cokehead. Yeah. Have you met Andy? No. You, you, he, was he standing outside this morning? Because this really cute guy was out front and I was really hoping it wasn't Andy. No, it's not okay. Andy. That's not Andy. Okay. Was, I saw him too. He, I guess he was kind of cute. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really get a good look at him. Yeah. He's on the phone. He looks very important. Yeah. But um, yeah, he he's a big cokehead and an alcoholic. But why do you like to, you love to surround yourself by these people? I love to surround myself with people that I like, but they happen to use a lot of drugs and drink. I don't know why that is. Do you think it's a San Francisco thing though? Because there's a lot of people that are highly, highly intelligent in this city mm-hmm. that do a lot of fucked up shit. And what is that ketamine thing? Yeah, people mm-hmm. like ketamine. Yeah. I've never done ketamine. Yeah. So, you know, Anthony Bourdain said that San Francisco was the booziest city in the world. And if he said it, he would know. He, he would know. Ex-heroin addict, alcoholic himself. A cocaine addict cocaine too. Cocaine addict, yeah. Or was it just cocaine? I don't know. But the point is, San Francisco is a town where we specialize in creating mechanisms and machines that function so well that we can't keep up with them. Basically, the only way we can measure a success is how often we fail. Is as we create the thing, mm-hmm. we can't keep up with the thing. We fail, which means the thing is moving very quickly. But then, because we failed, we're like, "Oh shit! I gotta, I've got to speed it up. I gotta speed myself to keep up with this machine that I've created." Yeah, we do that by taking drugs and drinking, and also I think this is the city life. I think a lot of really smart people are naturally drawn to the city, and I think a lot of smart people are naturally drawn to drugs and alcohol for mm-hmm. whatever reason. If someone wants to be my friend, they don't have to submit a resume. If I don't see coke and alcohol in there, like, oh no, you're out. I don't want to hang out with you. I think people are a lot less interesting when they take drugs and drink. I really do. But they happen to do that, which is unfortunate. I think the only two people that find each other interesting when you're doing cocaine are people who are on cocaine too. What do you want to know about my drug use? Um. Okay, so what do you... Well, you're boring, Ben. I know you don't drink a lot. You don't party a lot. I'd rather talk to you about... I, oh, you do. Oh, okay. Tell, tell me about your partying ways. <laughs> I just made a look at her. <laughs> my partying ways. Um, because I've seen him at a party and he like was talking to my friend's boyfriend the whole time. So I'm just kind of curious like what party Ben looks like. So because I wasn't looking, I wasn't being very party-like. Yeah. Um, party Ben? Yeah. Uh, I do occasionally drink at parties. Um, What's your drink of choice? Cocktails. Okay. I don't drink beer. Wine is okay. I like cocktails. Are you like a dark? Are you like a rum drinker? Are you like a whiskey drinker? Whiskey, vodka? whiskey. bourbon. Got it. That's stuff. darker. Yeah, I drink and I get kind of loud, I suppose. Um, I don't do coke. I don't smoke weed. Weed makes me paranoid. I stay away from all drugs, pretty much. Um, I have done ketamine therapeutically, which was not a party because you're like disembodied. What did you feel like when you did ketamine therapeutically? Have you seen The Matrix? Yes. Remember that scene where he sees the the code instead of okay. the reality and he can he stops the bullets. Remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is so old. Yes. I saw the code. Yeah, it's so old. I'm so old. But I saw the code. Okay. Like I saw it. You become, you leave your body. It's uh, not pleasant. It's really intense. And I'm never Do you feel it. like you learned something from that? H- huge amounts. Huge amounts. Yeah. Um, How long did it last? It's about a 15 minute experience. Okay. You do it twice a week for three weeks. It really helps with depression and anxiety good what do you think of the ayahuasca thing 
That's great. Uh, there's a church up in Marin County that actually does it. That's all legal. I think ayahuasca contains DMT, I believe, which is a drug, really intense hallucinogen mm-hmm. and other things. Uh, it's, they drink it like a tea. I'm in support of people doing that. I hesitate to say that somebody who is a drug addict or an alcoholic would indulge in that because I think that really they should get in the practice of staying away from all substances that alter their minds to achieve something. I think that they So you need. don't think I should try it in spring? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. Um, because you don't know what doors it's going to unlock. I think you need to give therapy a chance. For me, those types of things are kind of like a last resort. Or you do it in very small amounts, or you really spend a lot of time thinking about it and researching it. You know, the, the mind is like a maze with lots of locked doors in it. And some of those doors are not supposed to be opened, but drugs will open them. Yeah. And what if the wrong door gets opened and you end up using cocaine the next day or something like that because it's you're too stressed out? You know, just not, don't, no. It's not for you, Olivia. I don't, I don't know about that. It's not for you. Okay, so what about somebody who's like been to therapy for like seven years on and off? Like, how Mm -hmm. do you know that you're seeing the right therapist? How do you know you're, like you said, you don't know if you're healing, right? But you just feel like you are because you're obviously making progress. What is progress? I guess progress looks different for everybody. Think about the you of 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Would you have something to say to you of 10 years ago? I would say stop drinking. Stop drinking. (laughs) So that's an increase in consciousness. Mm-hmm. You can't measure it, but you know it when it happens. Yeah. Would you say that you're more conscious of yourself now than what you are when we first started working together? Yeah. Now that could be because of the therapy or it could be just because of natural growth. It's hard to know. I would say that seeing a therapist for addiction helps you mitigate your use, which will help your growth. Because if you're not using, you're going to grow more. Mm-hmm. Growth is impossible to measure, but it is the reason that we're in therapy. Yeah. Is for growth. That is the point period. Because growth entails increase in consciousness, which entails making better choices, which entails feeling more confident, more at ease with yourself, having better relationships. You just have a higher quality of life all around, inner and outer. I realized in the last year for myself, there are two people that I pretty much like cut out of my life. I mean, they're like two of my best friends. But I think you do get to a different point in your life or like a level like where somebody's not going to grow or they're refusing to and they kind of stay there. And that's totally fair to say, guess what? You can stay there and I'm going here. Yeah, uh, you outgrow people. It's true. It's like a real thing. Well, as our consciousness shifts and grows, we start to have different needs. And the people that are in our lives sometimes don't meet those needs. And also sometimes you see the sickness in others a little bit more clearly. But then they think you're snobby because you go to therapy and you know so much. And they think that you're using their therapy on them. And in reality, it's like, get the fuck to therapy. Maybe. Yeah, sure. And so what if you are snobby? So what? Yeah. You know, I don't care about that. A simple example would be somebody who's an alcoholic who stopped drinking and they go and they hang out with their friend a year later and their friend is still drinking and they're like i can't be around you yeah because they see how sick it is and they see how destructive it is and so you take that template and you put that into all different things like attitude problems narcissism emotional instability so yeah we change as humans and we change up who we are around that is true all right let's just change the subject so okay. ben who are you dating I just felt like some energy that you were uh, that you're dating somebody, and we haven't seen you in a couple weeks, so you have like uh, a new shirt on. It could have been from Hanukkah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wait, I have to tell you one thing, Ben. I was in line at a store, and this person had like apparently never read the word Hanukkah before. Oh no! They were behind me. They go, "Honey, how do you read this word? Huh? Huh? Hanukkah? How do you not know the word Hanukkah?" Because she's, in America. Not, she's not a Jew. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's like knowing the word Christmas. 
<laughs> Anyways, did you have a good Hanukkah? <laughs> I don't do Hanukkah. <laughs> I don't do jack shit. Okay. I sat at home and worked on my podcasts. Okay. Did you like make out with anybody? Yes. No way. Well, no. She was in Hawaii, so I didn't. But uh, yeah, I am. I am dating a woman. Uh, <clears throat> um, how'd you meet? <laughs> She's gonna kill me. Uh, I met her at yoga. So, also sidebar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ben goes to my yoga studio. My yoga studio. Yeah. Just if anyone was curious of how we go to know the same yoga place. Yeah. So you asked her out. You're not like one to usually chat with random strangers, especially women, right? Uh, she actually kind of asked me out. She's probably really young, Ben, because how young is she? 30. Is that really young? That's pretty young. How old are you again? 45. Yeah. We're going to go with that's pretty young. Shit. That's fine. Am I in trouble? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm dating someone seven years younger. 15 years younger is a little different, but. It's different when you're a woman, isn't it? To date a younger man. Yeah, it's fun. Okay. It's just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> just for fun. That's it. Okay, wait, tell me a little bit more about the dating. So are you just like eggs in one basket? This is the girl. Like we're full on yeah, dating. I don't, like I don't, we're making out. Have we had sex yet? I don't. <laughs> more information. <laughs> I tend not to date multiple people. Mm -hmm. It drives me nuts. Okay. I just can't do it. Yeah, because you're waiting for that one text message back from one person. <laughs> yeah. I just don't have the bandwidth to date multiple people. I never have. It's exhausting. I get that. And uh, I feel a little unfair too, but that's just me. Um, I think uh, if you're not honest. Yeah. Yeah, we've been seeing each other for about two, three weeks. You know, all the things that go along with that. Did you go to dinner? Many Did times. you take her to dinner? Okay. Yeah, and I cooked for her and stuff. Oh. She's a pescatarian. That's great for you right yeah it's healthy you don't mind that what's different about this girl what what do you want to know what do you like about her she's pretty she's very looks aside ben looks aside that's difficult for a man no she's she's brilliant kind of quirky she's quiet i like quiet people she lets me do my thing and kind of take the male role which is nice she lets me cook for her she's sweet you know she's a nice person yeah. so you're feeling good about it yeah, she's cool. Okay. You know, I like her. We won't touch it too much because yeah. it's so new. It's new, and I don't know what, you know, she could, you know, meet Mr. Wrong tomorrow and go run off with him. Trust me. It happens. There's so many Mr. Wrongs. Like, they see, like, oh, Mr. Wrong, he looks great. That looks like a disaster waiting to happen. Perfect. I'll go with that. Yep. Door number three. Yep. Very, very true. Okay, so outside of dating her, like, just tell me about your January. My January? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be working a lot. I'm going to be working on these. I'm going to be, I have to lose some weight. I've put on some weight. Dating is a good way to, to encourage you to lose weight. Why is that? When you start to date somebody, you want to like look good for them. Yeah. Unless they're a fucking slob, then obviously like, but you probably are not dating slobs. Yeah. I'm not. trying. I actually not trying. Just would not. You would not. Is this, Date a slob? No. Is the seven guy, the guy not a slob? The 27 year old? Yeah. No, he's definitely not a slob. He likes all the same shit I like, like meditation stuff. He likes books that we read. Like, I don't know a lot of guys that like that kind of stuff. It's more of the girls. And our first date, we immediately sat down and started talking. We had a connection immediately about, actually, you would appreciate this, our fathers. Oh. Being the oldest. And I kind of dived into something and he looked at me and he was like, nobody has ever been able to explain how I felt growing up. And he just kind of looked at me and was like, oh, I didn't think anybody could say those things out loud. Like... Mm. 
being authentic and vulnerable in that moment. I mean, because I'm older, like I also just felt I'm at that place in my life. Like there's no reason to have BS conversations with anybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but that made him really interesting to me. Good. But I don't feel like I get I care le- care less or if he texts me back right away or anything like that because I already put him put him in a place of not marriage material. Yeah, you know? it's, it's nice when you can kind of do that. It's scary dating someone you really like. Yeah. The things that I remember. So when you're in love or you're falling in love, you notice things. You mm-hmm. stop and notice the beauty in almost everything. Like I can notice the beauty in a street lamp that I walked by for oh, 10 years that I never noticed that the sign was twisted this way and when the sun hit it that way. Like I kind of walk around in la dee land. And that is why it's also kind of like a poison. When they say like love is blind, it really is. Have you ever been in love before, Ben? Well, what is love? I mean, there's crushes, there's infatuation. Are those things love? You wouldn't have your heart broken, I don't think, if you weren't in love. Okay. Right? I guess so. Even with a friend. Your friend can break your heart. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. I don't know. I'm kind of a cold son of a bitch, you know? I know. You just like you don't want to believe in like all the... Love. Yeah. I definitely am like, wear my heart on my sleeve, very positive about it, know there's somebody for everybody. There has to be. We have this live in this world full of like, what does everyone want? Connection. Yeah. Like the highest highest level of connection I think that you can have is being an intimate relationship with your partner. I have a and, question. Mm-hmm. What do you think is more intimate, sex or kissing? <sighs> it depends, but my first answer would say I would say kissing is more intimate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why is that? Um, because you can really like bone anyone, right? <laughs> but. <laughs> But really having like an intimate connection like with somebody when you kiss them or make out with them, I think that for me at least, it's a completely different level of connection because you can have like good sex, but when you have like Mm -hmm. passionate chemistry around the make out, Mm -hmm. I mean, it only makes everything better. But for me, that would be the most intimate was kissing. Like I personally would prefer, I would prefer if somebody was ever cheat on me, if he was to like fuck somebody or just, or make out with them, I would prefer they would just fuck them. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think there's a guy in the world that would, that would see it like that. No. Interesting. I mean, I wonder if men think sex is more intimate than kissing and women the opposite. I don't know. I don't know. Some guys don't like kissing. So some, I mean, I feel like some guys like they like kissing, mm-hmm. but it's not, there's people who are like big into making out and then there's people that are not. I see. Okay. Do you think you ever want to get married? Yeah. Be nice. To kind Do you of, have like a big wedding? Have you ever like thought about it? Uh, I've thought about it and the, uh, the answer is no, no big weddings for me. Wouldn't do that to my mother. <laughs> don't you feel like she'd want that i have no idea what she'd want okay I, you know I'm, i come from a family of introverts we don't do things big okay so have you ever been engaged no no have you ever been close to being engaged like almost buying a ring no 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 i mean i was i was living with someone i was with her for six years six years but three years in we were basically roommates and there was i wasn't like thinking about marriage at all where is your head now my head now mm-hmm. i'm thinking about that horrible relationship i was in how long ago was that Mm, i think we broke up in 2014 do you ever see her no no i do not (laughs) does she live in san francisco i have no idea where she lives wow so it's one of those breakups Uh uh-huh didn't end so good the we don't talk we don't follow each other on instagram yeah i don't even know your number kind of breakup. it ended very very badly 
It was like Netflix level bad. Do you feel like you've learned that you like grew from that relationship though? Sure. Yeah. I Did it harden you though? Yes. Okay. For sure. 100%. I wish my heartbreak would harden me. It doesn't make me scared to fall in love again. It makes me realize that I am capable of loving somebody that much. Well, I don't feel like she broke my heart. It was more like, wow, I really value my free time. I just became more defended about my own life and how much I enjoyed my own life and living my own life my way Yeah. and making my own schedule. And like, if I want to go home and watch a fucking movie and make a bunch of food and just splay out on the couch for three hours, I'm going to go do that. You should be able to do that. Yeah. In a relationship. Well, not that one. <laughs> Did she have like a schedule for you? No, she was just such a pill that uh, mm. everything was a everything. So there was always something dramatic happening. There was always it was like if you were sitting down comfortably, like reading or watching TV, or she would sort of enter the space and kind of start shit. You know. Ugh. Well, you don't have to deal with that any longer. Nope, I do not. And live free. Live free. Okay, Ben. I'm trying to think. I ask you so many questions in therapy that. What do you, what do you want to know about me? What do you want to know? I feel like I already know a lot. You already know a lot? Yeah. Yeah, you kind of do. Because I do ask you too many personal questions in therapy. Yes, you do. Like, what kind of personal questions have you asked me before? I always ask you about dating because I feel like you always, well, you have this weird thing where you're like, go on dates in like Berkeley or like Oakland and like make it like so hard on yourself to like go on these dates. And then you're like, mm. don't want to go on them. And then we then. <laughs> what you're saying is I discuss my personal life with you during our sessions. Well, you give me like maybe a couple minutes to run with it. And then I cut it off. Yeah. Okay. Because I like to just kind of take this session and just blabber or whatever I feel like talking about. The only reason I went on a date in Oakland is because she had a Malamute, which is this form of husky, which is 180 pounds. And you wanted to see the dog. I really did. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> the dog was amazing. It was so worth it. It Really, really one of the best dates I've been on. Really? Yeah. What happened then? I got to meet the dog. The dog was amazing. Best dates with the dog, not even with the owner. The owner, she was all right. You know, she didn't look, as usual, she didn't look like her pictures like five years. I know when you say that people don't look like their pictures, like what pictures are they putting out there? Like, I feel like all of my pictures on my. Look like your pictures. What? You look like your pictures. I do, right? Totally, yeah. Yeah. I've totally seen you on Hinge. But no, I'm not on Hinge. I'm not on any You were totally sites. on Hinge. I saw your profile. No, I'm not. I did. I saw it. No, I'm not. You're like the one at the beach. When you del- no, when you it was del- months months ago. When you delete it from your phone, it doesn't delete on the account. Is you're still there? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So people can that. see that. Yeah, and they're still swiping on it. Really? Yeah. I have to read down. How are you teaching me about technology? Because <laughs> I'm incredible. Ben lonely. When I met me. Ben, he didn't have an iPhone. Everyone. <laughs> 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 remember i told you i was like if you want to go on dates with people you got to get an iphone well it wasn't that it was like you thought my professional life would benefit because that, yes and you were right you were absolutely right you were 100 percent correct and so i went out and i i basically when it comes to technology and it comes to the world of things olivia is one of my higher powers <laughs> i listen to what she says and i do yes ma'am and i do the thing and you've done really well thank you i listen is there anything else you think i should be doing I like that you're doing the podcast. I think that you should tell more people about it. How do I do I know you want me to tell my community, but I think that you need to tell, you need to send an email to all your patients and have your podcast in there. text my patients. And then, no, 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 no. You send an email. You have a lot of patients. They were your past, present, whatever patients. Let them know that you're doing this. People don't know. 
Okay. Because all those extroverts that you don't like, like Oprah yeah. and Gabby and Brene mm. and all of these people, they do things that you don't like that you would have to do should okay. you get to that level okay. is do TED Talks. You have to- I would love to do a TED Talk. Right? But like all those extroverted things, whether or not they're extroverts or introverts or not, mm -hmm. they know how to use the media in the right way well, to get their message out there. Fair enough. Well, one of the ways I'd like to use my media is to get you to, to tell your group uh, about a podcast. And, and 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 do that i have to pick and choose the podcast then get on the thing and do it today you know what we have a do we do have one on sunday that i send out a sunday ritual how newsletter. difficult can that look i've got 14 of them okay fine tell me which one's the best one for the girls you think well there's i'd say conflict resolution mm -hmm. it'd be a good one burnout in the tech world would be a good one the gift of addiction is probably a good one that's with tj woodward premarital counseling that's a good one oh didn't you just get featured on like a big podcast though for sleep yeah they plugged my podcast yeah that's great yeah did you listen to it no <laughs> <laughs> did i tell you who was the guy who was the sleep expert oh uh, no the Oprah? Guy, no, the guy from Headspace, Andy, Andy. Oh my gosh, yes, you did tell me he was the one interviewing you, right? No, it was it was Charles Duhigg who wrote The Power of Habit and then Andy Pudicombe, the sleep expert, who was telling me how to meditate and stuff. Anyway, I don't think I have anything left. Are you are you satisfied? Do you feel like you know everything that you wanted to know from your therapist? I think so for now. You didn't want to dive we have to find out more about like where you're at with dating and like a couple I months. told you where I was at. I'm no, I just mean like in a couple months we have to do a read, a check back in. A check back in. Yeah. Okay. Like just see where you're at. Like how has the relationship progressed? Did you fuck it up? Did you fuck it up? <laughs> how did you fuck it up? Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming in and asking me anything. Thank you for having me. Best of luck in your new decade. Thank you. And best of luck with uh, Christine Pappas. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening. Pertinent information stemming from this podcast will appear in the program notes. Should you have any questions or would like to be a guest on my show, you can contact me at benjaminrusick at gmail.com or check me out on my website at benjaminrusick.com. I also encourage you to subscribe, share, and all the rest. Thanks again. And remember, whenever you find that your plate is full, sometimes you need to push a few things off to the side and sometimes you just need a bigger plate.